I went to the peephole and I saw my ex-boyfriend standing outside and I didn't realize what he was doing at first but he was acting really shady like anytime he would hear any noise he would go hide there was like a little trash chute on the other side of the the elevators and he would go hide over there and you know eventually it became pretty clear to me that what he was doing was copying down my class schedule. Our RA had requested that we post our class schedule kind of in a calendar format on our doors so that, you know, during the week she needed to find us or whatever, she would know if we were at class. And I'm Jake Deptula. On today's episode of Strictly Stalking, we're speaking with Katie, who was stalked by her ex-boyfriend after they graduated from a Christian high school. Katie's ex originally applied to college in another part of the country, but changed his plans to attend the same one as Katie. He began stalking her as soon as college started, following her to class, the dining hall, and her dorm room. Overwhelmed by his obsession and the intense stress from being constantly under surveillance, Katie's mental and physical health deteriorated. Katie's here to share her story and discuss the impact of religion on relationships. Katie, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. We're very glad you're here. So tell us a little bit about where you grew up. So um, my family is originally from Texas. I had kind of a tumultuous upbringing. Basically, my dad died when I was six, and then um, my mom got remarried about a year later. And my stepdad changed jobs a lot. Um, We moved several times throughout the state of Texas, and then... A little bit before seventh grade started, we moved to the Midwest, and so we ended up, even though my dad changed jobs a few more times, we stayed there until I graduated from high school. How big a part did religion play in your family life growing up? It was a really huge part of our family. Both my mom and stepdad grew up in families where their dads were preachers, and my stepdad, like I said, even though he changed jobs a lot, a lot of his jobs were religion-focused, so he taught at Christian schools. He was a head pastor, an assistant pastor, um, taught at Christian colleges. So yeah, he had a lot of religion-focused jobs. So we weren't just casual church attenders. We were there every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, various times throughout the week. We had Bible studies at our house, and I also attended a Christian school several times before we had moved to the Midwest. But then once we moved there, I attended the same Christian school from seventh grade until graduation. How do you feel that Christian schools differ from public schools? I mean, having been to both, I think the the biggest thing is, I mean, generally the Christian schools are a lot smaller than your public school. And then also there's a much bigger focus on religion. So You know, in high school, we were taught creationism and science class, and we were required to attend Bible class, so we didn't have as many extra, like, classes to take. Basically, yeah, we were having to take a lot of Bible classes. What was your friend group like in high school? So at the high school I went to, uh, it was affiliated with a particular church, and I did not attend that church, so there were... My friend group tended to be people that went to other churches, and it seemed like the people that went to that church, they kind of stuck together. And then, you know, I hung out with some people that went to, some that went to my church, and then some that went to other churches were kind of my big friend group. And how did you meet 
your high school boyfriend? So he was attending the school when I started there in seventh grade, but I didn't really get to know him until later in high school. He had started a club at that time. Like when I was in 11th grade, my stepdad started teaching at my school. And so he started a club related to the class that my stepdad was teaching. And so my stepdad was the student sponsor for that. And so I guess, you know, he knew my dad, stepdad through that. And then also I knew his sister because we played on the soccer team together. But yeah, really, I guess we didn't really know each other very well until our senior year. We participated in the same extracurricular activity and then basically like had some classes together that year. And also he was on the student council with my two best friends. And so I participated in some student council activities like fundraisers and things like that. And so we spent a lot more time together um, starting the fall of my senior year. When did you know he had romantic feelings for you? So basically I found out, I guess it was around October of our senior year. He had talked to my friends, the ones that were on student council with him, that he was planning to ask me out to our school's formal. So we had Being a Christian school, we weren't allowed to have dances, but we had two formals every year. So we had a winter formal in December, and then we had a junior-senior formal, basically like our prom in the springtime. And so he had mentioned to my friends that he was going to be asking me to the winter formal. And so I was kind of surprised at that time. I just thought, you know, we were friends. I didn't really have any romantic feelings toward him. But yeah, he asked me, and like I said, the formal was in December, so he asked me pretty early. And I remember everybody kind of making a big deal about that because they're like, oh, great, now we have to like ask our girlfriends and stuff. Like he, they called it like, you know, he jumped the gun basically to, to invite me to formal. But I was pretty flattered. I hadn't had a, a date before, at least a guy date to the formals before I'd gone with groups of girls and things like that. But yeah, so I, I was flattered at first. Did you go as a group with other people or just the two of you? I mean, we hung out with our friend groups once we were there. But yeah, I mean, it was kind of like a a date with him. I went over to his house and his parents like took pictures of us to start. He like got me a corsage and everything. And then yeah, we went to the to the winter formal and then we hung out afterwards. I think we went bowling or something. So after you hung out with him, went on the date to winter formal, what happened next? So um, I guess probably around the time that he'd actually asked me to the winter formal, we exchanged MSN Messenger information. So this was fall of 2000. So that was kind of the way we kept in contact back in those days. I had a cell phone, but minutes were really expensive. So I didn't really, you know, text people or things like that. So over Christmas break, so the, the winter formal was right before Christmas break. And over Christmas break, we talked a few times on MSN Messenger, had some kind of long conversations, like kind of looking back at it, it was sort of more of like, I guess, interview questions, but he was asking me like my opinion on certain like ethical situations and basically seeing if I sort of had the same beliefs as him, I guess is kind of what it amounted to. But I thought it was interesting conversations. I thought they were kind of deep and I was like, okay, well, you know, it's interesting to get to know him on this deeper level. At what point did your relationship start to progress into more of a dating situation? So basically, once school started back in January, we 
had a few classes together and um, like shortly after school started back, he started passing me notes at the end of the day. So I would like give him a note back and something I would take home and read. And so just, you know, it became pretty clear that he was interested in more than just like a friend relationship with me. And things progressed pretty quickly. He ended up asking me out on a date for early February and he assigned me homework before the date. So he wanted me to read two books in particular. Um, One of them, they were both by the same author. It's a man named Joshua Harris. And so one of them was called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And the other was called Boy Meets Girl. And so they're basically books by this Christian author. I think he was 21 when he wrote his first book. And it's basically laying out courtship, relationship information about how if you're in a Christian relationship, you shouldn't just casually date somebody that you should only date with the goal of marrying somebody. And then the second book, Boy Meets Girl, was actually the story of his courtship where he ended up marrying a woman kind of following his first book. And so that had just come out like a few months before this. So I checked them out from, they were both at our school library. So I checked the books out and I read them and, you know, it was pretty overwhelming. I was 17. I hadn't really dated anyone before, but I was definitely willing to give it consideration, especially coming from a family where Christianity was so important in our lives. So I was like, well, this seems to make sense at the time. But yeah, it was pretty overwhelming to be 17. And basically, you know, he's telling me he wants to be in a dating relationship that leads to marriage. Did you agree with the core values in the book? Um, I mean, generally, yeah. I mean, because those were things that we had been talked about through church. I was kind of coming of age in the 90s, which is when really the purity movement became really big in evangelical circles. So my church had true love weights rallies and my parents had given me a purity ring. And so this seems sort of like an extension of that where you're not only keeping yourself pure, but you're not dating around casually and kind of giving your heart to other people, so to speak. That's kind of one of the things they talk about in the book. So yeah, I mean, basically the idea was that somebody who is Christian, that's the most important thing. And then there's a few other core values that are mentioned, but basically that, yeah, if you feel like you align with somebody and you should just kind of go into a a relationship with the intention of eventually getting married. And then did he talk more about these books on this date? Yeah. So we basically, I mean, it was kind of like we had a book club basically for our first date. He talked about it a lot and asked me what I thought about it. And at that time, I I didn't mention to him like how overwhelming I felt. I felt very overwhelmed that he's looking to get into this relationship with me and I'm 17 and I haven't really dated. But kind of my understanding from that that first in-depth conversation we had was that we were both planning to go to different colleges. And at this point, we were only like four months away from graduation. And so basically our plan would be that we would go to our different colleges. And then if we felt that things were moving in the right direction, like we could consider getting married after college. So I didn't really feel like I had to make a decision right away. But I mean, yeah, it did feel pretty intimidating.
Strictly Stalking is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. I like to think of myself as a great multitasker, but actually, it can get overwhelming sometimes. Like when I'm trying to listen to my favorite podcast, and I'm cleaning the house, and the dog wants attention, and I have emails coming in. That's for sure. But then again, sometimes multitasking is easy, like getting a car insurance quote with Progressive. They do all the hard work of comparing rates so you get a great rate, even if it's not with them. You get all that with their awesome comparison tool. Because getting a great rate and coverage you deserve is easy with Progressive. All you need to do is visit Progressive.com to get a quote with all the coverages you want, like comprehensive in collision or personal injury protection. They'll show you Progressive's direct rate and their comparison tool will provide options from other companies. Progressive makes it simple to choose the rate and coverage that's best for you. Get your quote at Progressive.com to join the over 27 million other drivers who trust Progressive. That's Progressive.com. Visit today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Reverie. The state of being pleasantly lost in one's thoughts. A daydream. But what if those daydreams turn to nightmares? Reverie True Crime shines a light on the dark tragedies that have happened and are continuing to happen all throughout the world. We interview and work with families to bring awareness to forms of injustice. We explore the depths of cases from around the world to include missing persons, mysteries, and more. Reverie True Crime is found wherever you're listening to this podcast. Remember, you don't have to live in fear, but stay aware of your surroundings. Stay safe and take care. So after that date, were you seeing each other on a consistent basis? Did you tell your parents that you were in a relationship with this guy? How did things progress? Yeah, so I I did talk about it all the way along with my family. I was very close to my parents, so I told them all of this. And I do remember my mom kind of expressing some concerns like, okay, are you ready for this? And I think kind of being in a situation where my dad had died at an early age, I felt like I was pretty mature, you know, maybe more mature than than some people my age. So I was like, well, you know, I think I'm ready for it. I just, I felt like, and kind of having a chaotic upbringing where we moved around a lot, the way I kind of coped with that was to like try to plan out things as much as possible. So I had this big checklist for my life. I had this college I wanted to go to and career I wanted to pursue. And so I was like, well, yeah, I need to get married. So maybe I can just check that off the list too. How important was college to you and what kind of exploration did you do in terms of finding one? So basically, education was not super important in my family. My stepdad had gone to, he graduated from a theological seminary and my mom had not gone to college at all. And my biological dad hadn't gone to college. So it wasn't necessarily presented as something that was super important in my family. But I'd always been pretty good at school, and that was something that I think times where we were moving around a lot, that was just something I really focused on was trying to get good grades. And so, yeah, that was something that I I was really interested in pursuing. I, I always liked science, so I wanted to go into some sort of 
scientific profession. And so I knew that college was kind of the next step. I really didn't have basically any support from my family in that arena, but I found out that there was a public university in our state that I qualified basically for a full-ride academic scholarship to. And so that's really the only college I applied to because I was like, well, I don't want to have a lot of student debt. So I applied and, and ended up getting the that scholarship. What plans did your boyfriend have for college? So basically, his family was very different. His dad was a doctor. And so they had obviously had high academic goals for him. And so he had applied to, I think, like 30 different colleges. One of them was the college that I ended up going to. But his dream school was like a pretty prestigious private school on the East Coast. And he had applied and gotten in there. And I don't think he got a full ride scholarship necessarily, but he got some sort of scholarship to attend there. And so that was my understanding kind of going into this relationship is that I was going to be going to this public university not too far from our home. And then he was going to be going off to the East Coast. How much of an impact did that have on your relationship leading up to graduation? I don't remember it really being a big issue. I think we both thought, well, you know, obviously we're not ready for marriage right now. At least I wasn't. And so we thought that that would be good to to go off and go to college. And then, you know, maybe we could still see each other during breaks or, you know, during summer vacation and then kind of go from there. What ended up happening to point you towards a breakup before leaving for college? So our courtship really was only about four months. So it was toward the end of our senior year. And we're both in school. We were both involved in uh, several different extracurricular activities. So we would spend time together sort of on the weekends, but not a whole lot of alone time. That's sort of one of the principles of courtship is that you shouldn't really be unsupervised with each other. So we would go to concerts or, you know, some different church activities, but nothing really too much alone time. But after graduation, our school had a tradition that we would go on a senior trip. So our high school class had raised money and basically whatever money you had left at graduation, you could use to go on your senior trip. And our our class was pretty small, but we had done a pretty good job of fundraising. So we had enough money to rent a charter bus to go to Florida. And it was basically like a 24-hour bus ride, like straight through. Like we stopped a couple of times to switch out drivers. And then we were able to get like, I think it was four nights at a hotel there. So of course, he was one of the people that, that went on the trip. And this was probably the m- most amount of time we had spent together, really, And so when we had entered our courtship, really one of my big concerns was that I wasn't attracted to him. But at that time, I thought that was just me being shallow because I thought he had all these other good qualities and that eventually that attraction would grow. But as we were on that trip, it just became very apparent to me that things were not progressing in that way. And really the turning point came, uh, we were on a sightseeing trip to go to a lighthouse. And um, we were on the charter bus and he was sitting next to me and we're driving through this really beautiful neighborhood right by the water. And 
there was this really pretty house and he was like, I want us to live in a house like that someday. And I was just like, oh no, like I don't want to live in a house with you. And so, I mean, I didn't say that obviously, but inside I was just like, this is not working out. I'm not more attracted to him now than I was at the beginning. And now that we're graduating and going off to different colleges, I've got to figure out how to end this. And what was your plan to end the relationship? I didn't really have a plan at that time. I just got this kind of sinking feeling that like I'm going to have to figure out something. And so we got through the trip. We got back home. And then I went on a trip with my family and he separately like went on a trip with his family to a different place. And so while I was on that trip with my family, I remember laying in bed one night, like I'm going to have to break up with him and I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I'm going to have to figure it out. And so I, I've never been that great at talking about my feelings. I'm always better at writing them down. And so I, the hotel we were staying at had like a computer in their like business office. So I went down to the computer and I was like typing up an email to him. And I know that's not a great way to break up, but I was like, well, I don't know. He's on a trip. I don't know like necessarily when we're going to see each other again. And I was also kind of concerned because he had some like manipulative tendencies. So I was like, if I tried to break up with him in person, I felt like he might try to talk me out of it. And I don't like to hurt people's feelings. So I thought, well, if I did that in person, that he might try to talk me out of it and I would go along with it to like not hurt his feelings. But I was like, I have to do this. This is something that needs to be done. So I you know, sent the email and basically it said something along the lines of we're going off to different colleges and I think it's best for us to break up uh, so we don't hold each other back from having the best college experience that we can have. I didn't mention anything about not being attracted to him, but obviously I thought that was kind of mean to say that specifically, but he ended up writing me back a few days later and was like, well, we need to talk about this in person when you get home. So we made a a plan to meet up after we were both back in town and we talked in person. And, you know, I thought from my end, I thought we had resolved everything. I thought that we were broken up and yeah, we were just, we're going to go off to college and, and have good college experiences. Once you delivered the message to him, what was his reaction? I mean, he was pretty broken up about it. Like he just seemed very sad. And so, you know, obviously I felt bad, but kind of looking back, it's like, well, if you're having this expectation of getting into a relationship when you're 17, that that's the person you're going to marry, like people grow and they change. So that's not necessarily all the way, always the way that it's going to play out. But yeah, I mean, I, I did feel bad that he seemed pretty broken up about it. How soon did you go off to college? So um, when I sent the email, that was early June. And when we met up, I think it was like the later part of June. And then I left to move into the college dorms in the late part of August. So it was a couple of months. Were you guys still talking at all or hanging out in between the time when you sent the letter and met up and the time you went to college? No, I mean, after we met up, that was the last time I saw him. 
I don't really remember us having any conversations on MSN Messenger after that. So yeah, I, d- I don't think we really saw each other in person. When was the next time you saw him or heard from him after you got to college? So basically, I don't remember exactly how I found out, but even though I'm pretty good at remembering details, like I, I guess I've blocked this out somehow, but I, I somehow found out over the summer that he had changed his plans from attending his dream college to going to the same college that I was going to be going to. And I feel like I heard it from somebody else. And I just remember just having a really sick feeling in my stomach. Like, you know, I'd been really excited about going off to college. And of course, you know, there were some things that are a little bit scary. Like I was going from a small school to a a really big university and just kind of general, like, you know, being out on your own for the first time concerns. But now I was like, oh, no, like he's only changed his plans because of me. Like I, I knew that. And so, you know, I was just worried about how that was going to play out. And when was the first time you saw him once you got to college? It was not too long after we moved into the dorm. So I believe we moved in about a week before classes started. And at that time, our college intranet, um, you could look up where people's addresses were, like what their dorm room was. And so just to kind of like backtrack a little bit. So there was one other girl from my graduating class that ended up at the same college as me. And she was a good friend of mine. And we had decided purposely not to lit, like be assigned roommates to each other. Like you could request a roommate, but we had decided not to do that. And we thought, you know, that way we, we won't get on each other's nerves and we'll be able to make more friends. And so the roommate matching like came through and somehow we were out of like however many thousands of incoming freshmen there were, we were randomly assigned to be the same roommate, which was, I mean, honestly, looking back on things is probably like the only thing that helped me not drop out of college with going through the stalking incident. But so we were, when I moved in the dorm, she was my roommate and we lived in a dorm room that was right across from the elevators and we were in our dorm room and like I said this was before classes had started so we were just kind of like hanging out in our dorm room and at that you know eventually we got used to the elevators beeping but at that point like every time like the elevators would open you would be very aware of it And so usually you could hear like voices just kind of like going down the hall, like if people were talking or whatever, but it sounded like there was some noise happening right outside of our door. And so we had like a little peephole in the window. And so we, I went to the peephole and I saw my ex-boyfriend standing outside and I didn't realize what he was doing at first. But he was acting really shady. Like anytime he would hear any noise, he would go hide. There was like a little, um, like a trash chute on the other side of the the elevators and he would go hide over there. And eventually it became pretty clear to me that what he was doing was copying down my class schedule. Our RA had requested that we post our class schedule kind of in a calendar format on our doors so that, you know, if during the week she needed to find us or whatever, she would know if we were at class or whatever. So looking back, that's not a great idea. But yeah, that's what he was doing. He was copying down my class schedule. So I was just like, you know, I thought it was a big enough 
college that, okay, even if he's going there, I don't necessarily have to see him, but now he knows exactly where I'm going to be like pretty much most of the day. Did you confront him about that or talk to your RA or tell anyone about it? No, I mean, it was, me and my roommate were there. And so we both saw him do it, but I, I just didn't know what to do. I was kind of paralyzed. I was like, oh no, what, like, what is happening? But at that time, I mean, it, just the idea of stalking didn't even cross my brain. I was just like, I like, why is he copying down my class schedule? Like he's being really weird. And, you know, we're just like, okay, that's real weird. But yeah, we didn't tell anybody about it. I think I maybe talked to my parents about it, but yeah, I didn't tell my RA or anything. The first day of classes, I was leaving my room to head to my first class. And, you know, I was leaving extra early because it was at a different part of campus. So it's going to be kind of a long walk over there. And I actually like to take the stairs instead of going out the elevators. So when I came out the side entrance where the stairs were to my building, I could see him out in front, kind of in front of the main doors where you would come out if you're going down the elevator. And I was just like, I hope he doesn't see me. And but he did. And so he like came over to me and was just like, like trying to talk to me. And basically, like, I guess, since he ran down my class schedule, he knew exactly what building I was going to. So he walked me to class. And so that became a pretty regular thing. Like he would be waiting for me outside of my classes or outside of my dorm room. And there was only a certain number of dining halls on campus. So he could kind of figure out like based on my class schedule, probably what dining hall I was going to go to. And so he would show up at the dining halls. Yeah, it was, it was really stressful. What were you guys talking about whenever he would like be walking you to class or you'd see him? I mean, I would try to not engage him as much as possible. Like I wasn't trying to encourage it, but at the same time, I was just like, I would maybe make some small talk with him. But yeah, for the most part, I just tried not to say anything. Eventually, what I did figure out is that even though in high school, he had liked my roommate, by the point we got to college, I don't know if he like blamed her for us breaking up or something, but he didn't like my roommate anymore. So I got my roommate to start walking me to classes uh, whenever she was able to. And so in the mornings, especially we had like our first class was at the same time. So if she was walking out the door with me, he would like turn around and like leave. So that was kind of, like I said, I mean, honestly, probably what really helped me out was having her there. Are you obsessed with true crime? Do you fall asleep to serial killer documentaries? Does evil intrigue you? Then Check Check the the Locks Locks is the podcast podcast for you. Check the Locks is a brand new podcast exploring some of the craziest true crime cases of all time. Best of all, it's available wherever you get your podcasts. Murder, mystery, betrayal, and more. Each episode will examine a terrifying true story, and you get to be part of the fun. So pour yourself a drink. Take a seat on the couch and join me, Olivia Cornu, and me, John Connor, as we dive deep into the dark and discuss what makes you check, check the, the locks. locks. I just casually looked towards the canal and uh, I saw what I thought was a mannequin. 
August 2, 1998, the body of a brilliant young scientist is found dead near the campus of Georgetown University. It was a gruesome scene. Walking up to the body, um, it became apparent that there had been a sexual assault. For more than six years, D.C. police had no leads and no suspects. Then, another disturbing discovery. She wasn't his only victim. As these cases went on, the more the victims resisted, the more violent he became. One man committing a series of heinous crimes against women, but then he just stops. Ten years go by, then 20. What would it take to finally crack the case wide open? I'm Paul Wagner. Join me for Unknown Subject, Season 3 of WTOP's American Nightmare podcast series, available October 4th on all podcast platforms. When did his behavior start affecting your life, your classwork, emotionally, mentally? I mean, it was just so much to deal with at that time and already having to deal with, I'm at a new school, like it's a totally different phase of life, like being on my own. And then right like two weeks after college started was 9-11. So that was obviously a very like scary time in the world. And so with all of those things like layered on top of each other, it was just really hard to deal with. And just kind of having a chaotic upbringing, I don't necessarily think I even realized at that time, like how difficult it was, but it did end up like having a effect on me physically. I would just wake up in the mornings, like, like dry heaving, like just being, I guess, from stress. And then it got to the point where anytime I tried to eat food, like I couldn't keep it down. And so I ended up like going to the student health center and they were like, oh, well, you know, it's probably gastric reflux disease. And they gave me medication for it. And looking back, it's like, no, that was definitely just stress. So thankfully, it didn't affect my classwork. I was taking a really heavy course load, which was also, you know, something that that was a stress on me. And I was taking some really difficult classes, like I was taking chemistry and calculus and things like that, just that first semester. And, you know, basically, I kind of focused my attention on that and tr- instead of trying to, like, think about this other situation that was going on. What did you know about his life, his social circle, his classes, basically his whole college environment at that point, did you know anything about what he was doing outside of confronting you? I knew a little bit. I knew what his major was, and it was a different major than mine. So as far as having classes, we weren't really interacting in that way. I was aware of what dorm he lived in. I I think he had mentioned that to me. So I knew that he had a roommate and he was getting involved in a Christian like campus group. What was your social life like at this point? Were you dating other people, going out a lot, kind of doing the college experience? No, I mean, me and my roommate were, that's probably the reason we were matched as roommates because you had to fill out a questionnaire of like, do you party? Like, what are your study habits like? And we probably had like the most like old lady grandma responses. So we were super responsible. Like we really didn't go out to party or anything like that. So I I was mostly just hanging out with her at that point. There were a couple of extracurricular things that we were both involved in. But other than 
hanging out with her. I was starting to make some new friends that were in some classes and in my dorms and things like that. But yeah, I mean, this was just, you know, very early on into college. So I was just kind of like starting to branch out. Did anyone other than your roommate know that your ex was kind of following you around and and doing these things? Yeah, I had mentioned it to my parents. And I think that's really the only people that knew about it. But, you know, no one had really offered me any advice. I mean, I think obviously my roommate, she was young like me and didn't really know that it was necessarily like a a terrible thing or like who to reach out to. And I mentioned to my parents and they were just like, oh, well, you know, he'll get over it, like kind of played it down and just, uh, yeah, I didn't really feel like I had anyone that took it seriously or like gave me any good advice on like how to, to deal with it. Were you ever scared when he was following you and you would see him and maybe he wasn't supposed to be there? I would just get this like reaction where like my heart would start beating fast and it was just fight or flight reaction. I wasn't ever scared as far as he never made any physical threats against me, but just seeing him in places that he wasn't supposed to be and I knew that he was just there because of me, I was very scary and and hard to deal with. Katie, can you describe his behavior every time that you saw him on campus? Was it consistent or was he different depending upon where he met you at, what time of the day it was, anything like that? I mean, it, it was pretty consistent. Like I mentioned, you know, eventually if he did see my roommate with me, he would kind of turn around and leave us alone. But if it was just me by myself, he would just kind of come up and like start walking next to me or if I was at the dining hall, sit down next to me. And like I said, at first I I did try to like engage in small talk with him, but as time went on, I just would just try to ignore him and hope he would go away. And it just didn't really seem to work. At what point did he stop stalking you? And do you know why? Yeah. So basically I had had two like conversations with him. So there was one kind of earlier on in the school year where I was just basically like, listen, I, I don't understand like why you changed your plans to come here. And, you know, I thought it was pretty clear that we had broken up and that, that conversation didn't really seem to go anywhere. He kept stalking me. And then I had a second conversation with him that was like somewhere around November and just made it, I think, even more clear at that time that just us going to college in different places wasn't the only reason that I'd broken up. Like, uh, and I needed him to to stop following me, and that it it was very stressful for me. And at that point, I think that he really got the hint more. It seemed like, and so shortly after that, like I said, I don't remember exactly if it stopped before or after Christmas break, but basically like the next semester, he didn't stalk me anymore. He still went to school there. That's where he ended up graduating from. And then I found out like through the grapevine that he ended up that next semester started dating somebody else. And I think that's sort of what also took his attention off of me. And yeah, they ended up getting married like right after college. Before the stalking concluded, did you consider going to the police? I never did. Like, I honestly didn't know at the time that that was an actionable offense. Like, 
I was aware of stalking where, you know, people are under physical threats. And I, I didn't really realize at that time that just somebody showing up where they're not supposed to be and, and following you around was necessarily a crime. So I, I wish that that was something that I would have known. But yeah, I did not know that. Have you had any interactions with him since that first semester? No, really. I mean, even though we were still there on the, the campus together for the next several years, we didn't run into each other. Like I said, we had very different majors and, and classes that we took. So, and it, it was a big college. So I never had him just randomly in a class. We were only required to live on campus for our freshman year. So after my freshman year, I moved off campus and so, I, yeah, I just didn't really see him around, um, thankfully. Like, even at graduation, our graduation departments were at two different times. So, I didn't see him at graduation. And, yeah, I haven't been back to our high school reunions or anything like that just because I, I just don't really want to deal with that. Do you know where your stalker is now and if he's done this to anyone else? As far as I know, I mean, just from like Google, I I know that he like lives back in our hometown and he runs a business there. And like I said, I, as far as I can tell, I think he's still married to the girl that he ended up dating right after we broke up. Looking back and seeing how much of an impact that this had on you, especially during your college years and later, do you have any advice for somebody that might be going through the same thing and not really knowing where to turn? Yeah, I mean, I would just encourage people that, you know, if you're in a situation that even if you're not aware that stalking is a crime, like if if you have a, you know, younger sister or friend or, you know, maybe somebody who's going through the same sort of situation just to give them advice to, you know, reach out to their local police department or some other venue like, you know, I I should have probably reached out to, to people at my college, like my advisor or my RA, you know, somebody like that may be have been able to give me advice. But yeah, it wasn't even really something that I knew was an issue at that time. How big of a role do you think your shared religion and the scope of what you've been born into and practiced played a role in this situation? I think it played a huge role. I mean, for starters, I don't think I would have gotten in a relationship when I was 17 that was possibly going to lead to marriage. I don't think that's a typical relationship that 17-year-olds get into. And so that just kind of makes everything more intense and more serious. And then to go through... So, you know, those books that I read, they didn't really offer any guidance on like, okay, well, if you do decide to break up a courtship, like what are the next steps? But yeah, I mean, if you're in a relationship with somebody that thinks that you're going to get married to them, that obviously makes things a lot harder to break off. And I feel like, like I said, I was told that finding somebody that was a Christian was the most important thing, but I didn't realize that, you know, that's not really the only important thing about getting into a relationship with somebody. So yeah, just it made it hard to to be in that situation and try to break it off and just kind of not really know where to go from that. And then obviously, I guess he had built it up in his head that this was like probably the only relationship that he was going to get into. So yeah, it just made it a lot harder to deal with the aftermath of it. How did your religion and being in this relationship shape your future relationships? 
really, it made me a lot more careful about who I would get into a relationship with. And also, I mean, this wasn't sort of the only defining moment, but it ended up, I think, playing a pretty big part into me choosing to separate myself from my religion. And so probably like within a year or so after that, I I stopped going to church and there was just a lot of negative impacts from religion that I had seen that, you know, caused cause negative impacts on my life. And so that really, yeah, was a big part for me was, yeah, somebody that they say that they're a Christian, they're supposed to be a good person. And then to, to go into a, an experience that's very traumatic like that, it just, yeah, it had a really big impact on me. How did your family react when you decided to separate yourself from the religion that you were born and raised into? It was very difficult for them. Um, Like I said, you know, they were both raised in environments where that was like the most important thing in their life. And so there had been some defining moments over the years. One of them was at our Christian school where they had kicked out one of our classmates for being gay. And so there was just a lot of things like that where it's like these people profess to to love people and to be peaceful, but at the same time, they're doing real harm to, to actual people for these perceived reasons that they, they think that they like need to follow. And so, so yeah, it was a tough conversation. They're very still involved in religion, and I think they've come to accept that, that I'm not. But yeah, it, it's been difficult. Why did you decide to come forward and what do you want people to take away after learning about your experience? Basically, you hear a lot of, you know, cases of stalking that do involve violence. And, you know, while I'm grateful that that my experience didn't include that, I think it's still important for people to know that just because something isn't physically violent or physically damaging, that it can still cause a lot of psychological damage and and be very traumatic in that way too. So just to know that if you're in a situation like that, you're not alone, you can find help out there to to get out of a situation like that because that's something I wish I would have known when I was going through this. What kind of things have you done for yourself to address your emotional mental health after this situation? Yeah, so not during college, I kind of went through college and but after I got out of college and finally had health insurance, I took advantage of counseling. And you know, I think that's been really helpful to, to work through some of those things that did cause me damage. I mean, I've talked a lot, of, done a lot of work about going through the, the stalking incident and, and just some of the other things that I faced growing up. Kitty, what's life like for you now? Things are great now. I've been married for almost 10 years, and I've got two beautiful kids, and <laughs> I've got a great career. And so, yeah, things ended up working out. So even though, yeah, it was a pretty dark time in my life, like I said, I, I did kind of consider dropping out of college in the midst of this, or at least considering transferring colleges and things like that. But ultimately, I didn't want to let him win and just kept going on and and was able to get through it. Do you have any closing thoughts or any closing things you want to share with any of our listeners? Just prioritize yourself. I mean, if you're in a situation like this, it's 
like I said, I, I always grew up with this fear of hurting other people or like letting other people down. And, you know, I came to realize through this situation that that's not the most important thing. You're really the most important thing that you need to prioritize yourself. So that's been a tough lesson for me to learn. But yeah, I think that's, that's probably the biggest takeaway I came through with this. Katie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Katie. If anyone out there is in need of help or is a victim of stalking, please reach out. You can find a list of resources on our Instagram at Strictly Stalking Pod. If you'd like to share your story with us on Strictly Stalking, you can reach us at strictlystalkingpod at gmail.com. That's strictlystalkingpod at gmail.com. As a listener of Strictly Stalking, please leave a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. I'm Jake Deptula. And I'm Jamie Beebe. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Strictly Stalking.